As you stand in body or in spirit, we'll come before God's word, very likely as the disciples would have, reciting the Shema or what Jesus called the great commandment. If you'll follow after me in Hebrew, we'll join together then in English. Shema Israel. Adonai Elheinu. Adonai Had. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Scripture this morning is the creation of uh, humans from uh, chapter one of Genesis, beginning at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Well, no doubt by now, like many people in the world who have a television, you're aware of Bishop Curry's sermon for uh, Harry and Meghan at their royal wedding. And you probably noticed that that Bishop Curry got a little bit of backlash and some uh, critique about his sermon. Some claimed that it was too long for a wedding. It was 16 minutes long. And I must say my typical uh, wedding sermon is about three to five minutes, But, you know, if the bride and groom were seated and I had a worldwide audience of millions, I might go beyond five minutes as well. Some critiqued him for uh, being too animated. And in fact, you've probably seen the videos that while he's animated, they'll show the different people in the royal family who are stoic as they can possibly be. And so part of the critique was that it was sort of out of line with the, uh, his animation uh, with um, the situation. I don't know, maybe. Uh, and then some said it was too American. Uh, references uh, to things that Americans uh, uh, would know, but there was an American involved in the, the wedding. And I saw some Americans there in the congregation, as you did as well. And so I don't know. But you know, the most critique and criticism he got was that there was a lot of emphasis on social justice and the redemptive and transformative power of love in his message. I cannot grant any of the critics uh, credit on this critique because biblically I have to tell you that if you, if you make a careful study Uh, Starting in Genesis and going all the way through Jesus, one thing you notice is that to be a royal is to be responsible for the well-being of your subjects. That the very business of being a king or a queen or a prince or a princess is the transformation of the people who are under you. I think actually he's right on target with this uh, part of uh, his message. And and let me just do a little biblical study for you just to kind of walk back through uh, some uh, kings and queens and and their uh, responsibilities. Uh, The main image that uh, the Bible uses for a ruler, one you will see more than anyone else, especially for a good ruler, is shepherd. Ezekiel 34, God said, I myself, and God, of course, is the ultimate sovereign, will shepherd my people. 
When they are commenting in the Psalms on King David's reign, they said this about David. He shepherded his people with integrity of heart. When the king of the universe comes along in the New Testament, Jesus, he describes himself in the gospel of John this way. I am the good shepherd. Think of the biblical characters who would become leaders who spent time with flocks. Abraham and Sarah. Moses trained as a shepherd on Midian. David himself was a shepherd boy uh, and learned the skills that he would use to help him against Goliath, but later would also help him rule his people. Basically, in the biblical sense, a ruler is measured by his or her response to the people and the well-being of the people under the king or the queen's care. If you are a royal, it is your responsibility to see to the well-being of everyone in your realm. And I think in their better moments, uh, the the royals in different places begin to understand this. Uh, Rabbi Sachs, who was for years the chief rabbi in the UK, talked about a time when Prince Charles came to a Jewish school to visit the children. And it was a a fundraising reception. So a lot of bigwigs were there. But he said it was was, uh, right before Hanukkah and the children were preparing for Hanukkah. And he said, I noticed that Prince Charles skipped the bigwig adults with all the money and went to the children and talked to each one about the candle they were making for Hanukkah and let the children tell him about what they were doing. And the rabbi's comment on this, he said, in our better moments, the royals in the UK understand that, that uh, they are there to make people feel important, including the children. Uh, you probably noted that the wedding took place uh, in the Windsor Castle. Do you remember what happened to the Windsor Castle in 1992? Caught on fire. And estimates at that time was that it would take 54 million pounds to rebuild that castle. And so uh, the people of Great Britain began to uh, protest that they weren't connected to the royals at all. They didn't feel the responsibility for rebuilding that castle. So you may remember what happened is the queen then opened Buckingham Palace and other of her places to tourists. And they would pay money, and that's how she raised the funds to rebuild the castle after the fire. But she also did something else. For the first time in decades, in 1993, a royal actually paid taxes their subjects. They had begun to make a switch back to what royals were supposed to be, people who care for their subjects. And you might be thinking, well, I mean, that's a fine message, but there really aren't any royals here. Not so fast. Not so fast. Let me take you back to Will and Kate's wedding. Do you remember that? A much more subdued sermon given much briefer by the Bishop of London. But you may remember one of his important lines in the sermon was this. He said, in a sense, every wedding is a royal wedding for we are all sons and daughters of God. And the biblical truth. We are all sons and daughters of God. We, in fact, each one of us sitting here today are royalty. Now you might say, where do you get that from? Well, let's start with Genesis. 
Let's start with our very creation. When God says, let us make humans, or in the older translation, let us make man in our image. Let me look at two words just to set the stage for you. The first one is us, let us. Now, it's interesting, um, some uh, scholars said, well, that's a reference back to the earliest days of Israel when Israel believed there was more than one God, but that the God of the universe was like chief God. And so the us is like God talking to the minor God saying, look, let's do this. Possible. Others, of course, wanting to defend uh, the harmony between the Old Testament and the New Testament said, no, the us is the Trinity. And so since we know that creation took place through Jesus, according to Paul and Colossians, that the, actually uh, what the creator here is saying is the father saying to the son, let us do this. Very possible as well. But there's also a very obvious meaning back when Genesis was first written down, which sometimes we forget, and you'll recognize it right away. Have you ever uh, seen like a cartoon or uh, where a monarch is on the throne? Let's say the queen is on the throne and she's not pleased with something. Do you remember what she might say? We are not amused. And the we is what is known as the royal we. If you'll notice, ancient rulers and even modern rulers sometimes use the plural to refer to themselves. And so many people believe that this is kingly language by God saying, we are going to create. Let us, but it's God who is creating. So if God is this heavenly sovereign, then who are these people God has created? And so the next thing God says, in our image. Now, image in the ancient world About the time of the writing of Genesis, uh, the belief was this, in uh, most every society, um, that whoever the king was, was created in God, in the image of their God. So that's how the kings like sort of claimed power for themselves. It's like, I represent God here. I'm in God's image. And so do you remember King Tut? Remember King Tut? We found King Tut and he went all the way around the United States, right? King Tut's real name is Toot, anybody? Uncommon, which means in the image of Amun. And in other words, it means I am in the image of the Egyptian god Amun, which is what ancient peoples believe. But God goes one step further and says, no, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's just not the king who is in the image of God. It is every one of us, male and female, We are in the image of God. And ever since then, in the main, one of the main prayers of the Jews and one of the main prayers of the Christians, we remember that we are royalty and we are children of, uh, of the king of the universe. The Jewish prayer that's very famous goes something like this. The address goes, um, Avino Malkenu, which means father king. So there's a king. But that king is also our father. We are the children. We are royalty. And of course, in the Lord's Prayer, it goes like this Our Father, which art in heaven, which is where the throne is. We're saying the exact same things. You're the king, but you're also our father, and we're your children. And so the image is inside each of us. We are all royalty. Did you ever notice this? that murder only applies in the Bible to human beings. 
I'm not saying you can't be cruel or mean to animals. I mean, that that's not a possibility. But murder only applies to human being. And the reasoning is only a human being has the image of God within them. Only being is royalty. And so the Bible's argument all the way through is that you and I are sons and daughters of God. We're, we're royals. And unfortunately, that gets lost today. And, and you can see the effects in the way we talk to each other and the way we treat each other and the way we think about people who are, we think about their differences from us rather than what we have in common, which is this image. There's a, a man named Dennis Prager and who's a, a commentator, columnist, author, and he goes to high schools and he does this little exercise in ethics. And one of the questions he says to these high school, um, uh, excuse me, he goes to religious schools. At these high schools, uh, it, at the, uh, sponsored by religious institutions, he asks them this question. If you are at the lake and your dog gets in the lake but can't swim and is drowning, but you notice that a man whom you do not know, three feet away from your dog is also drowning, which one do you save? Do you know that almost half of the students will say, I'll save my dog? And Prager's incredulous. He said, we've done such a poor job teaching the image of God and the infinite value of each person. And it gets lost today. And sometimes you and I forget we're royalty. And sometimes we forget the person across from us is royalty as well. And then one other thing, of course, we're forgetting is this. And that's what we tried to establish at the beginning of this message. To be a royal is to be responsible. If you and I are sons and daughters of the most high God, then we are responsible for God's creation. Another way they used image is in this way. If a king ruled from, say, San Antonio, but the king couldn't also live in Bernie at the same time, one of the ways the king might extend his rule uh, in our mythical kingdom into Bernie is that the king would give somebody the image of the king, a picture of the king, either on a coin or a stamp. And so if I'm ruling from San Antonio, but I can't get to Bernie, I, I might send Donna to Bernie and Donna's got my image or my stamp. And with my image, she has authority to carry out my wishes in that part of the realm. So to be royalty, to be sons and daughters of God means that we have authority and responsibility to carry out what God wants done on this planet. Paul knew this. When Paul was writing uh, one of his letters, Paul said, we are citizens of heaven. And I think too often that has been interpreted this way. I'm a citizen of heaven, so I don't really care what's going on. Earth is not my home. That's not the way the ancients understood citizenship. If I was a citizen of a place, it was almost like I was an ambassador of that place every place I went. So to be a citizen of heaven means like, Paul, every place you go, you are trying to establish heaven's reign, heaven's will, heaven's desire. You are trying to make this part of the kingdom exactly like the part of the kingdom that you represent. To be royal, as I mentioned, is to be responsible. Sometimes there'll be a tragedy, whether it's at Parkland or Santa Fe or even a natural disaster. And the inevitable question that comes to religious leaders like me is, where's God in all that? Well, that's a hard one to answer to satisfy people. But can I tell you the, the biblical truth? 
about that, which is really hard to say. People can't wrap their minds around it, but the biblical truth is God is right where any of God's children and princes and princesses are. God is there in the teacher that wrestles the weapon away from the student. God is there in the youth that blocks the door and takes the bullet so that the other children can go out. God is there in the aftermath, holding hands, lighting candles, building community. Because the Bible is set up this way. God reigns and God's sons and daughter, God reigns in heaven and God's sons and daughters are responsible for carrying out God's reign here on earth. Where's God? God is wherever you and I are. As long as we remember that we're royals, but that that comes with a duty as well. Years ago, there was a woman in a a small uh, farmhouse in Oklahoma. And in the daytime, thinking nobody was home, someone broke into the house and the thief was surprised to see the woman there at home. And so he said, give me all your valuables as he pointed a weapon at her. And she said, look, you can have anything in my house that you can carry off. But as for my valuables, they're sitting in a classroom in a school about eight miles from here. She understood what really is to be valued in this world. And it's people made in the image of God. And in our schoolhouses, and in our homeless shelters, and at our workplace, and across the street in our neighborhood, and maybe teeing off in the group in front of us at a golf course. Those are all the valuables. They all matter. They matter like we do, because we're royal. But we also realize with that comes responsibility to make this world the way the king wants it.